Hey everyone, it's Blake, and welcome in to today's episode of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. On today's episode of the podcast, we welcome back a 411 on Wrestling Podcast regular, and that is 411 Steve Cook. Of course, Steve used to be a regular guest host here on the podcast with Larry Zonka, and we're excited to welcome Steve back to the podcast here as we had a great discussion on a variety of topics in the world of professional wrestling. We talked about the passing of Road Warrior Animal. Uh, We talked a bit about Ring of Honor. Uh, Lots of things going on in WWE with Clash of Champions set for Sunday. The G1 is off to a great start. AEW has had some great shows here as of late, so we really touched on a lot of different things in professional wrestling. Uh, So hopefully, uh, if you're a fan of uh, any of those different companies, there's a little bit of something in here for you on this episode of the podcast. So let's go ahead and jump into the conversation with 411's Steve Cook. As promised, uh, I am excited to welcome in the one and only Steve Cook uh, from 411 Mania. And uh, as I said in the the intro, Steve, uh, you you are the regular here on the podcast. You've been on a lot more uh, episodes than I have, but uh, I really appreciate you doing this. I was on many different episodes of the 411 on Wrestling with Larry Zonka back in the day. It was always a good time. I know most recently we'd been doing the Wednesday night uh, recaps for Dynamite and for NXT, and I know people were a fan of those, and you know all stuff we did back in the day as well. But you know, uh, you know, life throws curveballs at us, and we handle them the best we can. And I'm doing all the stuff that I'm doing, and uh, Blake's here to continue the 411 on wrestling. So, yeah. like I told him earlier, I wish him great luck with it, and. You know, I might come in from time to time, but uh, like I kind of alluded to, I am somewhat of a busy man. So. Yep, you are for sure, and uh, we will, of course, uh, link to all your stuff uh, over at 411 Mania in the show notes for this. And uh, I guess, Steve, we, we have to start. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday. Uh, Road Warrior Animal uh, passed away on Wednesday. Um, you know, hard to believe. I mean, he was 60 years old, and it's just one of those where I think you look at the number, and it's just, man... Uh, we, we think about, which we've talked about this, unfortunately, too many times in wrestling, uh, all the people we lose, um, you know, at a at an age like that, which, again, that's I know it's 60, but it's it's not that old. And I think we look at someone like him that I mean, this th- that tag team in general. And, and actually, Steve, I was reading your you know recent column. You did one back in I want to say it was mid-August. You did the top seven tag teams of the 80s. And of course, you had the Road Warriors in there and you talked about and basically said, you know, I pulled it up here. There hasn't been a more dominating tag team than Hawk and Animal in their prime, and I think that's a good way to put it. And unfortunately, as we said, uh, we lose another one uh, here in the wrestling business, and there's no doubt that Animal was certainly someone that that a lot of people uh, connected with, just that tag team in general. And, uh, man, I hate to lose another one. Yeah, and I've been doing a series of the top tag teams of each decade, which will finally conclude this week with the the 2010s, which I believe is up on 411 as we speak. But... uh, Animal, Animal and Hawk, the Legion of Doom, the Road Warriors. There was a lot of people try to be like them. They get there were a whole ton of imitators because that's what you did back in 1980s. Once something got over, everybody else had to have their own version. So you had like 15 different tag teams with mohawks and face paints and <laughs> long tights and big jacked up dudes. But only one team got over like the Road Warriors did, like Hawk and Animal. And uh, their story is one. You, you alluded to the popularity of uh, Hawk and Animal, and continues to this day because you remember on the last season of the Dark Side of the Ring TV show, yep. the Legion of Doom story was one of the highlighted episodes. And me, I mean, it's probably just me, but I was very in, in tune with the LED story because I've uh, I've followed it. I've seen the, the various documentaries. So I was, I was kind of wondering, uh, you know, we've heard this one before, but it got one of the highest ratings that the series got so far because 
everybody knows Hawk and Animal. Everybody knows LOD. They were mainstream stars. They're people. If you see them on a wrestling poster, you would see, okay, those are wrestlers. Those look like badass guys. Yeah. So definitely popular team. You know, the Iron Man theme music in the back in the day. They went to WDF and did pretty much the same thing. And Animal was a guy who I he never he was never a singles guy. He was yeah. always about tag teams. He was always always about other about other wrestlers. Even later on when the Red Warriors had, had split up for a bit, he was part of a big group in WCW. He wasn't like off on his own doing his own thing. He wanted to help other people get over. And I think that's something that he was. I think that's what he was all about. Yeah, I agree. And and I think it was something where, as you you just said. It seems like, and I don't know if it's just this era. I mean, we we saw it in previous eras too. But you just, it was always okay. Well, how do we split this team up? And then they go on to be single stars, or one of them does, and the other one kind of flounders. It was really never that way with those guys, as you said. I mean, they were a true tag team, and uh, you always thought of them together, and you always knew what they would be able to accomplish together. And I think another thing was just that look, man. It was just you looked at them, as you said, like they. You look at them, they're badasses. Like that's exactly the first thing you thought they look like wrestlers i mean you saw the way you know they were built and just goodness that they they were kind of that quintessential team to where if you looked at it and say okay that's a professional wrestler given their look like you said the theme music with the iron man and everything uh that they just felt like that tag team that sort of defined professional wrestling just because of their entire uh makeup and how they were presented to Definitely quintessential 1980s but also timeless in a way because you watch their stuff today and it still it still holds up yeah, it does for sure, and uh, absolutely. And of course, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, you've probably watched the Road Warriors many times. But uh, this is a good time to go back and check out uh, some of their their best matches because there's a lot of them, and uh, definitely a good time to go down uh, memory lane and check out some of that stuff uh, after the passing of uh, Road Warrior Animal. But uh, Steve, uh, no easy way to transition, but uh, we'll look into some other stuff here uh, in the world of professional wrestling. Let's start actually with with Ring of Honor because I know you've been you know doing the the recent show reviews and everything. You've been watching Ring of Honor and and seeing, you know, we we've talked a lot during this pandemic era. Of course, everybody's look at different promotions, how they've handled it. Um, you know, Ring of Honor is another one that's kind of one that that came back and has kind of been going strong here since. We have the Pure Tournament going on now. Uh, what have been your thoughts uh, on Ring of Honor here as of late? Yeah, I mean, they took a long time off uh, during the quarantine era, being what it is, and they're they're working trying to figure out the right way to come back at the right time. And I think they found the right way with this pure title tournament. Now, I am I'm a, I'm one of those guys who watched Ring of Honor back in the day, but then kind of got away from it once it became like the Sinclair era, and they did some stuff that wasn't quite on the same level. So I kind of I kind of grew out of it or whatever. But once after after Larry passed and some slots were open on the site uh one thing i could do was uh, do the roh tv recap because it was on a time where i'm usually home so i did a bunch of those shows and was waiting for them to come up with something new because i was i was getting a little antsy like come on guys we gotta (laughs) gotta do something here and they came up with something that i'm a big fan of because i remember back in back in the day the pure championship was one of those things that uh, made ring of honor stand out from the rest i remember going to shows when nigel mcginnis was the pure champion champion and he really he really elevated that championship and unfortunately i think he elevated it too much to the point where they thought nobody else could follow him yep. because they got rid of it pretty much pretty right much right after he gave it up so so it took a long time off but uh people been uh, some people been asking for it jonathan gresham i know is a uh, big fan of the big fan of the style big fan of the concept and i know he wants to make it a focal point of roh and he is part of this tournament 
And if you take a look at the brackets and whatnot, yeah, he, Gresham's obviously one of the favorites. Jay Lethal's one of the favorites over on the other side. I would not, I'd be more surprised if they didn't be in the, be in the finals than anything else. But some other interesting names in Tormund, too. You got Matt, Matt Seidel, who Seidel had a pretty interesting week because he was on the ROH show against Delirious, and then he pops up on the late-night Dynamite against yeah. Sean Spears. So main events in ROH and AEW, pretty impressive for Matt. And he's going to get up against Gresham next round, so we'll see how that goes for him. Uh, you know, I'm, if you're listening to this, you probably know better than I do about David Finley over in New Japan. But yeah. uh, talking about a fourth-generation wrestler here, son of fit. And from what I've seen, David Finley looks like a chip off the old block. And he'll be facing uh, Lethal next round, so that's going to be interesting to follow. And then we got some other matches and whatnot coming up. Looking forward to seeing uh, my boy Fred Yehai taking on uh, Silas Young this week. That should be pretty good. And uh, so that's going to be continuing on here for the next few weeks. And I, like I said, I'd kind of uh, gotten away from ROH. It seemed like it kind of fallen off to me. But I got to tell you... Like the last couple of weeks here, I'm I'm getting back into it. I think the ROH has kind of figured out what their niche is, their style, what they can do. And I guess what's the good thing about the pandemic is you can take some time off to sit back and think and think about what you want your company to be going forward. And I think ROH has put a lot of thought into that. That's exactly what I was going to bring up was I was thinking about it too. And it's, you know, for, for someone like WWE, as we've seen, I mean, they've just kept chugging along and they haven't stopped and... You almost look at a company like ROH, and I agree with you, like watching their recent television, like it does. It feels like something where, okay, we know this promotion took this much time off. Now you're watching it. It feels like that restart. It feels fresh. They have this tournament going on. It does. It feels like even if I guess you can say there are positives within this pandemic, something for like ROH to be able to take that time off, as you said, sort of regroup and move forward with fresh ideas uh, with sort of a better understanding of where you want to go forward without that pressure of every single week having to be on the road, do this or that. It does feel like something that they've been able to use their advantage, as we said, with the momentum that, that they do have right now. Which is kind of the opposite, honestly, of what we've seen uh, to be, you know, not to just completely throw WWE under the bus. Right. <laughs> but I think it seems like Raw most weeks, kind of, it looks like a company that does not really know what they're doing doesn't know what style they want to go, doesn't know what direction they're going. I mean, we're, I know we're going to mention the, the Retribution thing, perfect example of a company that doesn't know what the, what the heck they're doing. <laughs> yes, and uh, let's just go ahead and move to that. Why not, right? We were going to get to it at some point. Uh, we might as well talk about it now. That is a good way to transition. But uh, I guess the first question, Steve, I have to ask you is, uh, if you had to pick between one of the three, if WWE hired you tomorrow and said, all right, we're going to give you one of these three names, Mace, uh, T-Bar or Slapjack? Uh, which one are you choosing? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, man? I was a big Stevie Ray fan back in the day. Yeah, you know, okay. Suck has got to know. Got the yaks <laughs> going on. So I think I'd have to go with Slapjack, man. Oh, man. That's, that's pretty good. I, I don't know. I, I was torn between uh, T-Bar and Slapjack. So I guess I'll be T-Bar and then we'll uh, we'll find a mace uh, somewhere. But, uh, uh, boy, I, I don't even know what to say because, like you said, it is something where – because – for example, like an AAW, which, I mean, they've they've had some issues, which, again, we're recording here on Thursday, and, you know, the, the COVID-19 testing and all that, they've had some recent positive, Lance Archer, Ben Carter, who was kind of the big star um, on Tuesday night with AW Dark and on the Late Night Dynamite, he's tested positive, but aside from that, if you just look at the show quality, AEW's done a really good job lately, and they have a lot of momentum, a lot of people are praising what they've been doing, but... 
I don't think that's necessarily it's one of those um, AEW's great, WWE's bad. It's just what are you getting from these two promotions? And when you compare what you're seeing in terms of storytelling and everything, it does feel different. And I think it's just, man, you look at this Retribution storyline. It's one where, as you said, I, I don't know from the very beginning, if you go back to when it first started to where it is now, I don't see any sort of situation where I'm looking at it and saying, okay, I understand why they did this or why they did that or where this is even going. It just feels like something that has been completely thrown together. And now we add all these names into the mix. You have these people that are basically being called up and we still have no idea what the whole thought process is behind this. It's just very frustrating because I I don't even know. I, I don't even know what it's supposed to be, I guess is the best way to put it. I mean, the one positive we can take away from is that Mia Yim's on TV, right? Yes, that's right. I mean, that's the one thing. I, that's the one thing I'm saying. Mercedes Martinez too. God bless yeah. them. They're they're good. They're good folks. Nice to see him get get a shot. And nothing against any of the individual talents, really. I, they're they're kind of up against it. It's one of those situations where you know you put somebody a square peg into a round hole, and you you try and do something, and they're all trying the best they can, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, it's tough to say, and I'm not sure where they're going with it. And if I don't know if they're sure, although I did hear, I don't know if it's a rumor, I don't know if it's a message board gossip thing or whatnot, that uh, we might be able to combine two of our stories that are kind of struggling right now, which I don't know if that'd be a good answer for it or not, where I've heard that there's the potential that Keith Lee might end up being involved in this whole thing. It might be the leader of Retribution, which uh, would also make no sense. But I guess you could combine all your stories that are struggling into one. So there you go. Yeah, you, you could do that. And uh, he's been another one. I, I think back to Keith Lee, and it's like it wasn't that long ago where we were talking about Payback. And I thought Payback was actually a pretty it's a pretty good show in terms of Keith Lee comes in. He gets the win against Randy Orton. You had some other good stuff on that show. Um, but now it's like you've you've had these matches in recent weeks where it's been Keith Lee, Drew McIntyre. You don't get finishes. You know you're not getting a finish from these matches. Um, and then that sort of takes away the, I don't know, I guess the anticipation for a future match between two guys like that. And it's just, it's another example to me of guys who, get called up and and we're talking about retribution which you can throw this into the mix which i mean i guess they had a better idea for retribution in terms of where they were going even though it's something that hasn't necessarily been reacted to with positive uh i guess momentum but i just i feel like sometimes they they call people up to call them up and you just don't have that long-term idea of where you want these guys to go and it does feel like you know with keith lee as we said with retribution it just feels like we're seeing way too many situations of this now. And look, they've they've hit on some of these, but for some reason, it just feels like they call up some of these people from NXT, and it's like, we're calling them up to call them up. We want them on the main roster, but once they get there, it's where are they going, and it doesn't seem like they really know. And the thing with Keith Lee is that, uh, you know, I have uh, putting him in, in there of Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton is not something I have a problem with. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool. I think, that, you know, that big, he like beat Orton, what, six minutes on payback? That is pretty good stuff. Yeah. Um, but everything kind of surrounding that general idea has been kind of a miss. And even with the presentation of Keith Lee, where, well, the, you know, the music, yeah. <laughs> the music has been a largely talked about thing where they just completely, they neutered his music. They're turned to some kind of, you know, stock music, whatever they're doing. And then you had the wardrobe, the yeah. war, uh, how, how you call they, they brought this guy up and they, they have no idea how to dress him. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't understand all that myself and retribution also uh, had some wardrobe issues as, as well so it just feels like they do like you said they're calling these people up just to call them up 
and giving them spots. But beyond that part of it, they there's no real plan. Yeah, that's that that makes it hard, I think, for people to connect and, and to follow it if there's just no sort of long term plan and you have the week to week. But but again, this is not anything new. I think with WWE this has been one of the common frustrations for people over the past I don't know how many years now. Uh just that sometimes it's just a week to week thing and you don't really know where things are going. But what we do know, Steve, is that uh, Clash of Champions is going to be on Sunday and uh I mean, it's a it's a full card, I guess. If you look at this card, is there anything to you that particularly stands out? I mean, I've I've said on the podcast here the past couple episodes, I've I've really loved the Roman Reigns thing, which I don't think that's a surprise in terms of his new direction. Uh, Bailey and Sasha, I think, have been the highlights of this entire pandemic area, if you want to say, just because of what they've been able to do and now where they're headed uh, with their feud. Everything else, to me, just kind of feels there. Um, even the, the Drew McIntyre-Randy Orton thing, I mean, it's it's good, but I don't know if it's to that level. Maybe it was even a month or two ago just because of what all has gone into it since then. But anything in particular you're, you're most excited about heading into this show? I mean, there's some stuff on this card that looks like it should be pretty good. And I will give a special uh, shout-out there to the uh, – we got a triple threat ladder match, man, with yes. uh, Jeff Hardy – AJ Styles, Sami Zayn. Hey, if you're you're gonna tell me you're gonna put those three guys in a ladder match, I'm sold. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't care what the story. Right, is. exactly. <laughs> like, you could have Sami Zayn out there in a dress or whatever. You could have AJ Styles hopping up and down like chimpanzees. I don't care what they're doing. <laughs> As you put that match out there, I will watch it. So, but uh, and Sami, let's be honest, Sami Zayn is the correct and proper Intercontinental Champion. So I'm looking forward to him regaining his title there. But uh, you mentioned uh, Reigns and Jey Uso and. It's interesting because, you know, the thing with the Usos, I, I mentioned in my column I wrote the, today, that, you know, whenever the whenever one of the Usos is injured, the other one's always off television. Yeah. Like, you, you never see them apart very rarely. When one guy gets hurt or whatever, the other one has to go away. I don't know why that's always been the case. And it's finally taken until 2020 where they figured out, Oh, so Jimmy's out for like nine months. We can put Jay on TV. That's okay. <laughs> I assume that's only that's probably only because Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman suggested it. Yeah, that would be my guess. Uh, that's probably the only reason it's happening because we know that Paul Heyman always has. Whenever Heyman's involved in the storyline, like personally involved, he still he has the creative control, which is funny because you know Heyman just got fired off of Raw, but now we're gonna let him do this thing on SmackDown and. It's gonna be better than anything he did on Raw. So yeah, no, it's it's. But maybe that's a Paul E thing, where maybe Paul E at this point is just better when he's personally involved in something. He wasn't involved in anything on Raw. He just he was writing stuff. And then be honest, I couldn't tell a difference from from Paul Heyman booked Raw than anything else we've seen. So and I, just one of those things. I guess we're probably when Paul's involved, he's more motivated. He's more in tune. And, and yeah, the story's been working so far. I don't see any way in hell Jey Uso wins, but you know, other than that, it's a pretty good story. Do you do you think we're and this is we're obviously playing the guessing game here. Do you think there is ever a situation within the next year, maybe two years, we get Roman Reigns versus The Rock at WrestleMania? Because that's been something which The Rock had his video. I guess sometime this week he did a, a one of his uh, YouTube videos or something. He had a series and. Of course, that was one of the things he mentioned about how it would obviously make sense for him to come back. And if he did come back, it would make sense for him to face Reigns. Um, I guess, again, we're, we're playing the prediction game. But do you ever see that happening? <laughs> That's all due to The Rock's movie schedule. Yeah. And I have no idea what The Rock's movie schedule is. I don't I don't even know how COVID's affecting all stuff as far as movies go, man. I have no idea. But uh, it's all due to that. 
I'm sure The Rock would probably like to do it. I'm, I know Roman Reigns would like to do it. That'd help his profile yeah. significantly. <laughs> but uh, it's one of those things where you just have to say, uh, ne- never. That's never say never. Yeah. You know, you can't pull anything out. Never say never. never. Never say never with The Undertaker coming back and uh, wrestling another match. Uh, never say never on something like that. So uh, there you Although go. Although if you're The Undertaker and looking at all these people, you wonder who you want to wrestle. Yes, that's yeah. that's true. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, he's like, I wrestle AJ Styles. Okay, so what's next for me? Oh, yeah. God, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like he's he's probably wishing he he had the this Roman Reigns maybe instead of the previous one the match they had together. Uh, it would be nice to maybe have that that match now. Uh, although I don't know, it'd be different. But uh, we'll see. Uh, yeah, so there you go. Clash of Champions uh, is on Sunday, and uh, obviously we'll have uh, full coverage uh, over at Four One Mania. So you can check that out there. All right, let's uh, talk about some more stuff uh, going on here uh, around the wrestling world. Let's let's talk a little AEW uh, as we mentioned earlier. Um, they they have had the, the COVID nineteen stuff playing into their their recent TV. They had to change the six man tag on Wednesday's edition of Dynamite uh, because of Lance Ar- Lance Archer's positive test, and uh, we mentioned Ben Carter, someone else who's come out and kind of confirmed that that he is positive as well. Uh, but aside from that, I think this is a company that you certainly go back to that episode of Dynamite uh, the previous week, which I wrote a column on. I thought it was just one of those. One of those episodes of TV that was just so good that it just made you kind of enjoy wrestling. And I think that's what we all want to do is just enjoy it and have fun. Um, what did you think of uh, the, the parking lot fight? Because that's one that everyone has reacted to. And even Jim Ross, you know, you heard his comments and everyone else, Mick Foley, uh, he, as he was on Twitter as soon as it was over talking about just how great it was. Uh, what did you think just of the uniqueness uh, of that particular match? Oh, that was, that was tremendous. It was absolutely tremendous. Those four guys just went out there, beat the living hell out of each other. It was, uh, it was uh, a classic, classic parking lot style kind of fight. The kind of thing that you would see, uh, and it's something, something I've been thinking of a bit lately. When you, when you think about Tony Khan and kind of what what he's inspired by in his booking, uh, you see like he likes to do these parking lot brawls, and you see the kind of talents that he brings in, and you see, uh, at least I see a lot of heavy influence uh, in the early days. You know, like the 2000s combat zone wrestling. Yeah, which is something you you probably wouldn't have expected to see on mainstream television as little as a couple of years ago. But uh, and but you see the kinds of names he brings in. Like just you mentioned the main event last night was John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston, two former CCW champions. Yeah. So it's not surprising that uh, it's all surprising TNT uh, standards and practices aren't what they used to be. I guess because I can't see those W getting away with that parking lot brawl. I don't think that would, I don't think that I don't think getting slammed on the glass like that would have been good back in 1999 or whatever. But uh, it's working today. TNT seems happy. Everybody seems happy. And like a and you know a team like Chucky e. T, like Trent, those guys are outstanding. And you can't forget the, the that week's episode of Dynamite, probably the best finish to any episode of television ever, with a Trent's mom Sue flipping the bird. That was great. I don't know how you enter. You can't end a show better than that. You just not even with Ricky Stark standing tall and Ricky Stark standing tall is a great thing. That's not as good as Sue flipping the bird. I'm sorry. No, I I agree. And that's it's funny because that's the one thing like I led my column with that and then I ended it with that. It was like that was the lasting image on what I was thought was, you know, one of the better episodes of television for any company I've seen in a while. But that was the one thing that stood out was a a wrestler's mom uh, flipping off the camera like that's just that's wrestling like that that's just makes it so great. Um, but it was I thought it was just excellent just the presentation uh, of that particular match and of course 
you know, the one thing I think AEW does pretty well, and I think that match kind of hammered at home, was, you know, these weren't four guys that a lot of people looked at. I guess five, you throw in Orange Cassidy, although he may be at the higher point of that group. But these weren't those type of guys that you looked at and said, okay, those are your main event guys. Like, you're going to see guys that come out and, and every week, like, those are your main event guys. Like, we, we kind of label or we put whatever on some of these guys and know that they're going to be in the main event every week or they're going to be viewed as main eventers. But I think what AEW's done so well is you have so much of this young, good talent that you have guys that are able to elevate themselves to, to, to those levels to where they can in a main event like that. And I know that was a unique situation where you had, you know, it's a parking lot match, all that other stuff. But I think that's one of the things that they do so well is that they're able to find ways to elevate anyone, no matter where people may think they're slotted on the card. I just think they do a really good job of that with not just those guys in particular, but you know, we've seen it with other guys as well, like jungle boy, all the others that, that are kind of those young talents that, that are coming up. Especially in the pandemic era though, you can't have the same guys in May event every single week. Right. You just can't because you never know when these guys are going to disappear. And, uh, you know, we've seen it, we've seen that on, on both shows and with WWE, I think one of the problems for a while on SmackDown obviously was, okay, Roman Reigns isn't here. Who do we put in May event? Right. They had no answer for that. <laughs> they had no answer at all for that. They just uh, they just kept doing what they're doing for a while until okay, now Roman Reigns is back. We got May Event again. Cool. But still you it still feels like every week the same guys on both shows are in May Event. Like I'm how many freaking May Events has Baron Corbin been in the past two years? Yeah. yeah. Too many to count. <laughs> right. We all know we all know that. <laughs> but uh and real quick, another thing I liked about the parking lot match that I mentioned in another article I did was you know, uh, 2020 has been a big year for the cinematic wrestling, and, and there's a place for it too. Like that Boneyard match was great. I love that, and uh, you know Firefly Funhouse was inter- entertaining for what it was, uh, but there have been some diminishing returns since then. Uh, and NXT had that uh, parking lot street fight match with as Adam Cole and Velveteen Dream. That was a uh, cinematic style. That is, is what <laughs> they called it, and uh, you know just eh. But the, this match, this fight was. There's nothing cinematic about it except for the uh, Santana Ortiz wearing the face paint. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> Everything else was like it was like okay, this is an actual this is an actual street fight. Yeah, this just... is what people are doing. Throw each other in garbage cans. What that's what they do. There's no no movie effects here. None of that stuff. No, just two guys just or four guys just beating the hell out of each other. That's basically what it was. Uh, but it was oh, it was brutal. But uh, I loved it. As I said, I don't think that's a surprise. And we talked about it. it's just uh, man, it was it was different. And I think that's what you want is to to have stuff like that. Obviously, you can't do it every single week, but uh, you just you add in those different elements. Uh, they they pushed it as such. I mean, I thought it, they did a really good job of kind of going into it. Like they pushed the seriousness. They pushed both these teams being very focused. They weren't playing around. And then they come out because knowing that they were going to have that type of match. And I thought that made it uh, that much better uh, for them for sure. But uh, all right, let's talk about some uh, New Japan because uh, the G1 is going on. And uh, Steve, I don't know about you, but I am still feeling the bruises just from watching uh, Ishii versus Suzuki um, on night one because, my goodness, that was an absolute battle. Yeah, um, I am the kind of I'm the kind of uh, New Japan observer. I don't watch everything because honestly, I just I don't have the time. Right. The time slots the, you know, the time slots bad for me. But there are certain people that I will check out. There are certain matches I'll watch. And uh, if there's a match booked between Min- Minoru Suzuki and Big Tom Ishii, <laughs> I'm all over that. That's because that's my kind of wrestling right there. They're two two guys just 
slapping the hell out of each other, being each other to, to oblivion. It's great. It's good stuff. I enjoy it. Who, who, and who wouldn't like such a thing? My gosh. Ugh, just just perfect. Perfect. Absolutely. Yeah, no, those guys are great, and uh, as you would expect, I mean, the, the G1's gotten off to a great start. I think a lot of people would, you know, look at it. We knew when we looked at the at the blocks, I mean, that, that A block with those guys in there, you just, you look at all the possible combinations, and, and it's just been, I mean, it's it's delivered to this point, and, and even I think you have interesting guys, you know, in the other block as well, and I know, you know, we talked about ROH and such, and, and I brought him up on this, this podcast, you know, even since doing it for a couple episodes thus far, but... Jeff Cobb to me is someone that is very fascinating because I know we you know we've seen him over the years in different promotions and obviously promotions we've talked about. Um, I just think he's someone that that I is going to be interesting moving forward if indeed you know he's with New Japan for for the long haul here and not just for this this G one climax but kind of looking at him moving forward. I've always been interested in his skill set and I think he's got those aspects he needs to to really be someone that can fit right in uh with them. Uh, well, what are maybe your thoughts just on watching Jeff Cobb and just seeing him as evolve I guess as a wrestler over the past several years? Uh to be honest, my my favorite version of Jeff Cobb that I've seen uh you'd have to go back to the glory days of Lucha Underground. Yeah. When he was known as the Monster Mantazquedo right. and just beat the crap out of everybody in, inside. It was uh, that was my favorite version of him because he was just a monster. He towered over most of the people on that roster, and uh, and of course he had and you know he had his his brother with him too, which also helped out. But uh, as far as Cobb goes, and other feds, like I've seen some good stuff with him in ROH and New Japan, and I think I know what a lot of people think, and kind of where I'm at as well is he's he's not quite there yet. Like yeah. there's, it feels like there's just something a little something that's not quite right there. Because he he'll get hyped for some of these big matches. Like the I remember when him and Moxley went out had their first match last year. Everybody was really hyped about that, and it didn't quite live up to people's expectations. And I think he's had some other matches like that as well. But uh, it's gonna there will be a time and place for him to reach that next level. And certainly in this block where you know he's facing off against Okada and Ibushi and Jay White and all the Ishii and Suzuki and all these guys. Uh, Takahashi, for God's sakes. You see a lot of <laughs> names there where Jeff Cobb should be able to have a really good performance. And uh, even though I didn't mention him, and I'm not a huge fan of him, I would like to see Jeff Cobb beat the living shit out of Will Ospreay. <laughs> that would be great. I think uh, that that would certainly be something, and I don't think you would be the only one uh, that would prefer that uh, probably at this point. But uh, you, you did bring up Jay White. I want to bring him up quickly, too, because... You know, he's someone that, that had that, that run in Ring of Honor, too, of course, you know, just given where he's at. And I think it's interesting to think with Jay White, like, he's still only, like, 27 years old. I think he's going to turn 28 this year. Um, he's someone that it's been very interesting to watch his, I guess, character, his skill set evolve, kind of from where he was several years ago to where he is now, obviously, with the Bullet Club involvement and all that. But um, as you said, you know, someone that, that kind of watches New Japan maybe casually and such. But what have you thought of just Jay White and kind of where he's at at this point in his career? I think Jay White has done a lot better than people have expected. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, it's I, I'm just not really a big fan of the whole uh, constant Bullet Club interference kind of style. Yeah. Not really my deal. I know some people dig it, and uh, he's... He's gotten hyped, and he's uh, done pretty. He's won championship or two, so he's doing all right. Uh, but yeah, not not especially my cup of tea. No, not somebody I've been seeking out because I tend to know how those uh, Jay White <laughs> slash Bullet Club matches are going to go, and I don't really need to see it. 
Yep, I think a lot of people uh, probably think that way. Like you said, it's something where if if he were to to get away from that, um, it'd be interesting to see maybe what the the presentation would be like there with him, uh, maybe just moving away from uh, the Bullet Club stuff. But we'll see what happens uh, with that. But uh, Steve, I, I did add to my notes here one thing I wanted to do to, to before we wrapped up. We we mentioned it earlier uh, talking about the the tag team series you're doing, which you did. It, it went up actually today as we're recording this. The top seven tag teams of the 2010s. Um, but I actually want to go back to where we started this podcast, and that was with the the one in the 80s. And we'll put the link to all, all these ones you've done. That way people can look through the ones from the 80s, the 90s, uh, the 2000s, and the 2010s. They can read the entire series. But these these teams in the 80s, man, and we, we talked about it earlier, and just to kind of book in this podcast, uh, you, you had the Road Warriors at number five on this group, but you talk about some of the other teams on there. Midnight Express, uh, the Rock and Roll Express, obviously Arn and Tully, uh, the Hart Foundation, the Fantastics, uh, and the British Bulldogs. Man, there were, there were a lot of great teams uh, during during that era, wasn't there? A lot of teams I left out too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You could have put a lot more on there. <laughs> and I, I kind of found the case in a lot of the decades, or even even the 2010s. I mentioned that uh, Cesaro has probably had like five different tag teams I could put on that list, yeah. just by himself. Because he's had a lot of great guys, but especially the 1980s was uh, that was that's probably still the the high point of tag team wrestling because both of the WWF and the NWA had loaded divisions, just an endless amount of teams. They said you could have two different tag team championships, and it would make sense because there were enough teams to make that <laughs> to make that work. Today, not so much, but uh, it's just an endless, insane amount of tag team wrestlers. Big rosters, just a lot, a lot of good times. Uh, the Hart Foundation, British Bulldogs matches, classics. Of course, Arn, Arn and Tully, you know, Arn had a bunch of different partners he could have made it with, like uh, Ole, uh, beautiful Bobby could have been on the list with him, and Bobby Eaton, Stanley. All these guys are completely interconnected, too, so it's tough to keep track of all these tag teams sometimes. The, the fabulous ones I could put on this list, I mean, it's yeah. crazy. Just good times, and I don't know, for whatever reason, eventually, I know... Eric Bischoff soured on tag teams, and Vince, Vince soured on tag teams as well. And I think uh, I think Bischoff even said on a podcast like one of the reasons he preferred singles wrestling was be- because you had to pay less people. Yeah, <laughs> you know, four <laughs> you got pay you got pay two instead of four if you do singles. That's all right. But uh, spe- back in the day, especially with the uh, when WWF was swallowing everybody up when they were buying all these, they're like you know expanding, buying every wrestler on the face of the earth. They had a huge roster, even bigger than today's roster, for God's sakes. And uh, a good way to utilize all these people you're buying up was just, uh, you know, and being tag teams. Yep, that's true. Uh, it was funny when you, you heard him talk about that. He like, said, so, well, just maybe you just don't want to pay him. It's a lot easier not to have to do that. But, uh, yes. Of course, uh, they paid him anyway. Yeah, so. <laughs> it didn't matter. They're paying people right. not to be there. <laughs> they're, they're probably still paying people at this point. But, uh, yes, uh, that was definitely the case. And then, uh, as we said, you did have the one go up today. And, and, you know, everyone can check out the entire series. But the 2010s, uh, you had the Young Bucks, uh, number one on there. I don't think that's a huge surprise. But uh, when you kind of look at, at the evolution of, what they've done since they've started their career and uh, obviously the other ones on the list i mean the usos had to be on there the revivals on there um and then some of the others like it's it's been interesting and and you just brought it up you're not really sure when things maybe change with tag team wrestling but it has been interesting to see sort of the change in dynamic but it does feel like when you look at 
where we are now with some of these teams, and I think the WWE is certainly still working on getting to that point to where they have some some teams that are like that outside of maybe the Usos and, and New Day. Uh, but uh, when you look at a roster like AEW, obviously all the, the teams they have there, uh, there are a lot of interesting uh, teams certainly to keep an eye on here moving forward. Yeah, uh, because you have, well, the Young Bucks, of course, Nick and Matt are two of the executive vice, vice presidents, presidents at AEW, excuse me. And, uh, yeah, they want people to wrestle. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they want they wanted a nice roster of tag teams that they can wrestle against. So they did a pretty good job putting it together, and it's kind of interesting that they haven't been the tag team champions there yet, and that's something that we'll be keeping an eye on. But uh, definitely part of the revitalization of tag team wrestling. I know everybody has uh, the Bucks are a very divisive team. People either either love their stuff or they hate it. You know, if you're like Jim Cornette and you're stuck in yeah. 1985 or whatever. <laughs> and then other people point out, you know what? People said the same stuff about Midnight Express back in the day. And Jimmy really gets mad when you mention that. Really gets mad. Yeah. Doesn't like that. He's not, not a big fan, though, when you compare the two. That's for sure. I, I think he's talked about that before. I think we've heard him actually say that, so <laughs> no doubt. Once or twice, maybe. Yeah, m- maybe once or twice he's brought that up. But uh, there you go. But, uh, Steve, man, this is this has been a fun conversation. As we said, we could probably talk for hours, but, uh, of course, both of us are busy doing various things, and uh, it's always just fun to, to get more insight because, uh, as I said, you're someone who kind of follows a little bit of everything, and uh, you, you do so much over at 4-1 Mania. I mean, you look at kind of the stuff you do we talked about the tag team series roh um all the other stuff you do over there uh so, so it's a lot of fun to catch up with you and, and anything exciting you have in the works here uh, on the way we can promote well i mean we're gonna have to figure out what we're gonna rank next is for i've run out of tag teams now so we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna figure out something else to do on that front uh, i finished the, the next botch column this way this morning that'll be, that'll be up pretty soon uh big appearance in fact by uh trent's mom sue yeah sue's on comp this week because uh, there was a botch involving sue Oh, it's pretty great. Of course, Sue. She, uh, she has been a highlight uh, without question. Of course, on the recent uh, BTE, uh, she was on there, and I thought, uh, oh, man, the, the segment she had with Dark Order was great, too. So John she's... Silver's in First Nation of Brody Lee. Oh, John Silver's got to be in wrestler of your consideration just for that. I was going to say, uh, put put John Silver and Retribution, and I'm in. Like, just have him switch, put him over there, and uh, maybe we got a chance uh, at that point. We'll see. Yeah, but, get John uh, Silver, uh, May John Silver, Eric Young. That might work. Yeah, put, put both those guys <laughs> over there. I mean, we didn't even talk about uh, Impact, but I think Impact's actually been pretty enjoyable here, too, recently. Um, I oh, think yeah. It's been really fun, really. So. That's another group that's kind of, I think they've they've also refocused themselves uh, during the pandemic era and f- trying to figure out what they are. And they've also made some good signings based off of uh, who WWE released. Yeah. And they've kind of cherry-picked the ones that they wanted that maybe AEW and other people weren't, weren't quite interested in. So they made a lot of good additions, and it's a very good, very good show on Tuesday night. Yeah, it is. And, of course, Jeremy Thomas, uh, we've brought it up before here on the podcast. He has his uh, reviews on that up uh, every Tuesday. But, yeah, that's that's been a very enjoyable show, too. So we're not just here to knock, you know, the bad things. We, we actually talked about a lot of positive things today. And I know we had to talk about retribution and some of the other stuff. But uh, you, you have to go with what you like. And uh, there's some things that are working, some things that aren't. But, uh, hey, that's professional wrestling. So, uh, Steve, like I said, I really appreciate you doing this. Uh, I, I've always kind of listened to the podcast even before I started doing doing stuff for 411 and always enjoyed your insight and so i'm really happy to have you on well it's good to be on and thanks again to 411's steve cook for joining me here on the podcast as always be sure to check out steve's work 
over at 411mania.com. Uh, he just has so much great stuff over there, and uh, I would highly suggest going back through it and just checking out his entire backlog of work because there are so many great columns, uh, so many great reviews in there. So be sure to check that out on 411mania.com, and you can check out all the other great stuff that we have going on over there. Of course, the G1 continues. We have all of our uh, reviews over there. Ian Hamilton, who we had on the podcast here uh, recently, he has his reviews. Kevin's reviews are up there. All sorts of stuff. Be sure to check all that out over at 411mania.com. And uh, as we continue to mention, uh, the GoFundMe for Larry Zonka's family is still active, uh, and we will put the link to that in the show notes here in the podcast. So if you've already contributed, uh, thank you so much for doing that and continue to share that uh, for others, maybe who have not had a chance to do that. Uh, again, the, it's very appreciated, and we will continue to put that here in the show notes uh, here on each episode of the podcast. And remember to subscribe to the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. Uh, go over to Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it. Just search for us on there. And if you enjoy the podcast, leave us a nice five-star review. That just helps uh, the show reach more people and more wrestling fans around the world. And again, we really do appreciate that. And I've really appreciated uh, the great feedback thus far here uh, since we have restarted the podcast. Stay safe. Thank you as always for listening. And we'll talk to you on the next episode of 411 on Wrestling Podcast. We'll be right back. 